I'm using big words, but I read big word articles. On today's episode of Queen's discussing common illnesses among fish, not the band. Hmm. Sad day. <laughs> so yeah, to wrap up this series and this season, kind of sad, but exciting at the same time, we're going to be talking about common illnesses, so aquatic critters, more specifically, fish. So, fish are one of the most commonly kept exotic critters in our industry, and a lot can go wrong at any time with them. We've talked about in the past how complicated taking care of them is just from the water setup alone. But we've never really talked about what happens to your fish if those things go wrong. Just looking over what could go wrong with fish, this could be a three-hour-long episode. But... We just went with the common ones. There's not a lot of common ground between fish illnesses. Yeah, there's no way we could cover all of the fish and it's even common ones because they're so different. It varies from species to species and from aquarium to aquarium. Because any combination that you add of fish, any, any combination of fish that you add changes the common ailments for that setup. But there's no way we can cover all of that because there's endless possibilities for you to right. introduce. Yeah, so what I've done for this episode is I've, I've taken three things that every person who takes care of an aquatic critter does or has to experience. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what happens to your fish if those things go wrong. So to kick off this fish frenzy... We're going to talk about gas bubble disease. Before we dive into that, you want to take a crack at what you think it is? Not to us, to fish. <laughs> no. Okay, well, if for anybody listening, pause the podcast, leave a comment, tell us what you think it is. Gas bubble disease happens when there's a quick rise in the temperature in the water and the gases in the water expand. Now, you might be asking how this affects your fish. That doesn't seem like a big deal. But when your fish breathes in that water, they absorb some of those gases. And when that water temperature rises too quickly, the gas expands in your fish as well. Now, best case scenario, this causes massive amounts of tissue damage in your fish. Worst case scenario, your fish dies. But this is real easy to prevent. The best way to do it is to make sure that water you're adding is roughly the same temperature as the water you're adding to. That helps not change the temperature too drastically and you know, keeps all those gases where they are. 
but also a good way to help release those gases to go ahead and get them out of the water before you can have a chance to blow up your fish. It's <laughs> graphic. <laughs> graphic content warning. Do they know? That may blow up like a balloon, not. <laughs> You're not making fish bombs, You're just making fish balloons. But. A really easy way to do it is when you're adding the water, do it from a height so that it splashes in and that'll release the gases from the water you're adding to as well as the water that you're adding in. And this is a good place to pour because you have that secondary place to add any water you need to. So if there is any change in water temperature, it is mitigated before it goes into the main body. But some of the most common gases that get trapped in your water are like carbon dioxide, nitrogen, um, some sort of sulfur gas. I can't remember the exact name of it. But these aren't in and of themselves extremely harmful unless there's massive, like really high levels of it in your water. But that's what your fish absorbs, that's what expands, and that's how you get fish balloons. The symptoms of gas bubble disease is really easy. Your fish is bloated. It may, it may not look like a balloon. That's just me being goofy and exaggerating it, making a graphic disease kind of. But just like sections of the fish that look like a bubble, um, an overly swollen throat, maybe the gills look funny. If you think your fish is bloated, it's more than likely gas bubble disease. Yeah, so these next two ailments are caused by a high amount of ammonia in the water. So the first ailment is called new tank syndrome, and it's a simple accumulation of ammonia that occurs when a new aquarium or tank is stocked with fish where the biological filter is not fully functional yet. This syndrome usually occurs within the one to three weeks after a new system is set up. Ammonia accumulates because there is not enough bacteria in the biofilter to metabolize it. So let's break that down for people that might not understand what you're saying. So the ammonia is produced by fish. It's in your way. The biofilter, which we've talked about um, a billion times at least by now, um, is just the, that's where the good bacteria is. The beneficial bacteria. The beneficial bacteria eats the ammonia and cleans the water. Right. Because every time you change a filter, you're losing the bacteria. Right, but you can mitigate that by when you have a new filter, dipping it in some of your old fish water, and then rinsing it out real good. That's some cleaner fish water. And that'll give it some of the good bacteria to start with, and it doesn't have to completely develop a whole new colony. Don't rinse them in, don't rinse your new filters in half water. Rinse them in your aquarium. Right. And if you have reusable filters, wring out all of the chunks and stuff that have gathered in it in the fish water when you do the water change. Just stick it in the bucket and do your rinsing in there. Not in the aquarium. No. You're taking water from your aquarium. 
right. in a separate container and doing the cleaning there. Right. Then that water gets distorted. Yeah. That's a good time to do a, a water tank. Right. Well. Yeah, you should only take out your reusable filters when you're doing a water change because yeah. it can cause a mess yeah. in, your, in the main body. Yeah. Changing filters will always throw the balance off. So this can cause lethargy in your fish. That's the most obvious symptom here. When you first stop your aquarium, you need to test the water every day and make sure the ammonia levels are okay. Don't do everyday water changes. That will stress out your new fish. And throw the balance off every time you change it. Right. But it's good to have an ammonia. I guess it would be an ammonia neutralizer. Little liquid stuff they sell at stores. Yeah. Just have some of that on hand. Read the instructions. Don't just yeah. measure it. It's very important to measure it. If you're not going to use bomb filter, make sure you're measuring the chemical. Right. And even if you are using the bomb filter and for some reason still using the chemicals, measure. If you're putting anything other than water in your aquarium, measure it. Yep. And just a quick note on bomb filters go listen to the episode. They explain it, it explains everything. But the only thing that I would use along with a bog filter would be a stress coat. Yeah, it helps relax your fish and get those beneficial bacteria started up. And then they also make a pairing called, with it called stress line, which is the beneficial bacteria. Yeah. You pour it into your filter, your filters catch it, and that gets your uh, beneficial bacteria colonies of boost. Yeah. The more surface area you have, in a filter, the better one it filters, and the more area you have for growing beneficial bacteria, which just exists naturally. You don't actually have to add it from anything. Right. It, it exists. Yeah. Like, you can start a new aquarium just filling up the water, putting in the filter, and letting it run, and it'll start that colony. You don't even have to put your fish in for it to start. Yeah. It's there. But the, the, re the reason I would use the, the stress coat in one or the stress line is to help with the slime of the fish, which is what protects them from everything. Yeah. It's slither slick. Yeah. That's why you shouldn't wet your hands before you touch them. When the total ammonia levels are high, two milligrams per liter or higher, at least 50% of the water in the aquarium should be changed. This intense management should only be necessary for one to two weeks unless there are other unidentified problems with the system. Water quality monitoring will show a decline in ammonia, followed, followed by an increase in nitrate as the bacterial colonies grow. The process is complete when the nitrate levels also fall to normal. A good, a good pH is the key to a healthy environment. Right. You have a good pH, the risk is relatively simple to take care of. Yeah. Um, unless otherwise specified by the kind of fish you have, you want to keep it around seven. And that should help keep everything in check. It'll help with the ammonia levels and nitrate levels. It'll keep your bacteria and your fish healthy. It'll help with the alkaline le levels. 
Now moving on to the second type of ammonia-based problem. It's called Old Tank Syndrome. Although it is characterized by a high ammonia concentration, it is completely different from New Tank Syndrome. The problem is caused by a sudden and drastic drop in pH, often dropping below 6, which kills bacteria in the biofilter. This loss of bacteria results in the high concentrations of ammonia, which are the hallmark of this problem. Simple water changes are not a recommended solution for this problem, because an increase in pH may cause the ammonia present to become toxic, killing the fish. Yeah, so what is the solution here? Your ammonia neutralizers. Yeah. The first thing you have to do is your pH neutralizers. Right, and they make things, pH balancers. Not one that you just put in and balances the pH for you. You either have to put in a pH increaser or decreaser, depending on your right. problem, which in this case, you want the pH increaser. Measure it out, put it in, wait 30 minutes to an hour and test it. If it's still too low, put in another dose, but don't just keep adding. At some point, you're going to say, okay, there's something keeping the pH down. What is it? Yeah. And it could be your alkalinity levels, or it's just the alkalinity of the water that can cause the pH to go down. Yeah, it could be a number of factors. There could also be, as much as I hate to say this, there could also be a dead fish somewhere that you can't see that drops the pH. Yeah, anything that introduces more alkalinity into the system. Right. But, um, yeah, there's all kinds of, I call them liquid solutions. There's all kinds of things out there that if you don't have a bog filter, you're going to need. Yeah. That's why we push the bog filter so heavily because in the long run, it's cheaper. Yeah. Ammonia. It's not good, but it gets worse if you let the pH shoot up. Shoot up. It makes it toxic. Yeah. The problem with ammonia, to begin with, is not that it's toxic. It just chokes out your fish. They have trouble breathing. Yeah, it actually removes oxygen from the water. Right, and then when it becomes toxic, it's actually poisonous to the fish. Yeah. And no, even if you get it cleared, if they breathe in that toxic ammonia, they can still die or get very sick. Yeah, and the, the effects of unbalanced water can last longer than it takes to balance the water. So even after your water is balanced, you can still have sickly fish or even deaths of your fish. Right. Now, just because these things have happened doesn't mean you're not doing your job. Things happen, yeah. especially in aquariums. Anything can happen in aquariums. They're the most fickle environment that we deal with. Which is why we haven't touched much on them so far. So we're really trying to get this narrowed down to make it, quote unquote, as easy as possible. Yeah. It's not an easy thing. No. Even goldfish cells are just rough. Yeah, and it can, it can turn from one day to the next. You know, it's funny. People say, oh, you know, it, even goldfish setups are difficult. But goldfish are messy. Yeah. They're really hard to take care yeah, of. They really are. If you want 
a quote unquote easy setup, minnows are guppies. They're not messy. So I guess they're the easy setup. But goldfish are so messy. Yeah. And it goes you know, it goes beyond ammonia and nitrates. Heavy metals with most of the strips don't test them are deadly to fish. Right. That's why you need the bog filter, the bacteria colonies, and a, that's why we recommend the stress coat and other like water conditioners. Yeah. So there, there are treatments that you can put in the water to grab the heavy metals and actually take it out of the water and put it down to the bottom um, where you have to vacuum it up. But a good filter will catch the heavy metal when it gets pulled through the water. Right. As the water gets pulled through. You need, even if you're starting the setup with a bond filter, you need at least like a stress coat or a water conditioner to get those initial initial metals, heavy metals out of the water. If you have time to let the bond filter run, 72 hours or longer, all of that can be removed. Yeah, but sometimes people um, impulsively buy fish mm -hmm. and have to get a setup going. So even with that bomb filter, make sure you at least have water conditioner on hand. Yeah, if you're going to be introducing fish within the first 48 hours, even with a bomb filter, treat the water. And it's not wouldn't be a bad idea to when you start the bog filter, even if you're gonna let it run the seventy-two hours, to do the stress zone. I mean all it does is boost that bacteria colony. Yeah, you you can add beneficial bacteria on the fish line. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not gonna have too much beneficial bacteria. It's beneficial to have. But yeah, so the last thing we're going to talk about is if you don't clean your aquarium, yeah. you have the filter, you're doing your water changes, but you still have to get all of that gunk out. Yeah. It's not going to catch everything. Now, we're not going to go into depth about these. Not keeping it clean can cause a lot of different illnesses, diseases, parasites in your water. Herpes virus, bacterial gill disease, bronchiomycosis, cart pox, lymphocystis disease, and then of course ick, which is the most common nasty fish disease. <laughs> Again, just because your fish get these doesn't mean you weren't doing your job. Because sometimes things happen. Especially with like cart pox, the ick. Um I'd even go as far as to say bacterial gill disease can happen sometimes. Yeah, pick is very common in um, Florida. Yeah, so that's why you, that's why we recommend quarantining everything before you put it in with your general population, if you're going to do a general population. Like, the bacterial gill disease is mostly caused by, like, overcrowding. So many different bacterias are in the water at the same time. The immune system can't fight them all off and something happens doesn't mean you weren't taking care of your fish you could keep the tank spotless but all those different fish too close together not having their space it's not good it's a stressor that gives the immune system 
and allows bacteria that they usually can fight off to take over. Yeah, if they're not a school fish, they're not just going to Right. And, and it stresses them out. They may look like they're having a good time, but... But the fish can't show up emotion. It's, it's stressful. Right. So the fish that are darting around, it's not because they're having a good time. No. That is a stressed fish looking for somewhere to be alone. Like when you go to a large aquarium and you see fish that are just constantly moving, even the ones that go, you know, they, they will dart occasionally. Oh, yeah. But being reputable aquarium, you won't see fish darting all around. No. That's a sign of stress. And you don't want that in your aquarium. Right. So that's also a good symptom of something's wrong. Yeah. It may just be they're stressed and need a long time, or it could be they don't feel good and they can't figure out why. Yeah, it's uh, like the opposite of the most larger fish. It's like, it's kind of like when your super hyper child just randomly lays down on the floor and goes to sleep. <laughs> Something's wrong. Yeah. So just watch for signs of behavior change. Yeah. If you have a fish that is always active and suddenly they're not, that's the water. Make sure everything's okay. Or if you have fish that just like to float around on the current and all of a sudden they're swimming back and forth, up and down, something's wrong. Yeah. They'll let you know. Um, a good way to tell if your ammonia is getting too high is your fish will start gasping. It's because they don't really breathe through their mouths, but they'll be open and close their mouths very rapidly. Because they can't breathe, they don't know what to do. Yeah, and you can also watch for a slight cloudiness to the water. Right. But even before that, like, yeah. I've seen quite a few aquarium specialists. They'll talk about how they walked in, they just got done doing a water change a few days ago, they tested the water, everything's fine. They noticed their fish are gasping, but the water still looks crystal clear, and the ammonia levels are going up. So just body language. And this goes for everything we've ever talked about. For a critter, I need to go as far as say plants. Body language is important. I mean, if your plant's drooping, obviously something's wrong. <laughs> but body language will tell you more than any test you can run. Because the body language will tell you something is wrong before the something wrong becomes a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it's just, for those of you that have kids, you know when your kid is sick. Anything else to add for our viewers? No, but since it's the last episode, let's just do a shameless plug. Alright, sounds good to me. BeFrogBeans.com Your home for everything your critter needs. Subscribe to the Patreon and you can uh, get a sneak peek at what the store potential will look like. We've got a theme, not even in the works. It's our set theme at this point. Yeah. We can do some rough drawings of what it's going to look like. Goofy videos, showing what it would be like going to the store. So we'll talk about some of the cool ideas we've had. Yeah. It's going to be 
It'll be a fun location. Yeah. More than shopping. Yeah. We've got things planned for kids. Let's keep them straight so the adults can shop. Thanks for the adults so that they'll want to stay around longer. There, there's your motivation to join the Patreon. Well, this will be us signing up for the last time for a few months. Yeah, join us in October for this community special. Yeah, we have some really cool things planned to talk about that one. We're just going to sit back, relax, and have some fun. Maybe I'll make Alright, well, if y'all enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, leave us a review, let us think. Let us know what you think. This may be the last episode for a while, but we'll still be looking for what y'all talking about with us. Um, go join us on all of our socials, so you don't feel abandoned. And of course, join our Patreon to figure out what we're going to do with this physical location. Bye.